as hell and I wanna get ill So I go to a place where my homeboys chill Fellas out there trying to make that dollar I pulled up in the 6-4 Impala Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the Bored as Hell podcast. I'm Adam McDonald with Big Shiny Robot. And I'm David S. Pumpkins, Andy Wilson, of also Big Shiny Robot. <laughs> Mr. <Haunted> Pumpkins. <laughs> <laughs> yes, Mr. Pumpkins for short. <laughs> uh, well, today we got a couple movies for you. Uh, the new ones in theaters are uh, Inferno and Trolls. And then stay tuned till the end because uh, Doctor Strange comes out next week. And we're going to spend a few minutes talking about uh, some Marvel horror movies that uh, kind of tie in with the supernatural. So we're... Yep. Um, getting everyone prepped for next week. But, again, before we get to our dessert, we have to eat our vegetables first. Um, and this is not the worst vegetable you can possibly eat. It's like, it's like if you like dislike eggplant, it's like slimy, gross, disgusting eggplant. Yeah. Uh, we're talking about Inferno, of course. <laughs> uh, this is based on the fourth book by Dan Brown. It's the Robert Langdon series, and Robert Langdon is the, uh, the symbologist, I guess is what they say his name is, which doesn't really exist. I don't um, know. Yeah, whatever. But it takes. He, the, he uh, likes art. He, he likes art and, and being a smarty and puzzles. Pants. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but the the first two movies were, of course, Da Vinci Code and Angels and Demons. Uh, this one starts out with Tom Hanks playing Robert Langdon, waking up uh, in a hospital with amnesia because that's the most the easiest used trope you can possibly come up with. Uh, amnesia, a bullet wound to the head, uh, and realizes he's been in, he's in Florence and doesn't know why. Uh, Felicity Jones, who is slumming here because she's way more talented than this, yes. uh, is playing Doctor Sienna Brooke, who is the kindly ER doctor taking care of him before they are suddenly attacked by an assassin. Uh, they escape with their lives, get back to our apartment complex, and now memories start flooding back in. And Robert Langdon realizes that he's on the trail. Of a bioweapon created by an evil billionaire named Bertrand Zobrist, uh, played by Ben Foster, who also is better than this movie. Uh, yes. Zobrist is convinced that the world is overpopulated and he must take drastic measures to cull the herd now to save humankind forever. Um, and for some strange reason, because you know plot holes exist, uh, he has left clues in Dante's Inferno, the map of Dante's Inferno, and sends Robert Langdon and Dr. Brooks all over Florence trying to find where this bomb is hidden. Uh, meanwhile, they're being chased by a shadowy organization who is helping or may not be helping Zobrist, as well as a very heavily armed World Health Organization, which I thought was very interesting because I didn't know they were allowed to have Uzis. Yeah, um, who knew the, the WHO <laughs> had assault weapons and body armor? <laughs> Those are some well-armed doctors. <laughs> yeah, just a little bit. Maybe maybe they were like the, the Ebola doctors and they were just tired of all their crap. It's um, it's not it's the opposite of doctors without borders. It's like doctors with assault weapons. Yeah, <laughs> I kind of I guess you can kind of you can all pretty much guess how I feel about this movie. So Andy, why don't you weigh in for a little bit? I have never seen a movie about such smart things and important things be so dumb and obtuse about them. I mean, th- this is just. This is, this is Dante for Trump voters. Oh, it, it really is. And I just, th- this movie is the, the Trump voter movie because it's just so dumb. I, I never thought that I would see a movie about unleashing a world-ending virus that was much stupider 
than Mission Impossible 2. <laughs> right? Oh my god, I didn't think about that. But yes, that Mission Impossible 2 is like high art compared to this. It is, and, and at least Mission Impossible 2 was fun to watch and look at, and it had motorcycle chases and, and stuff. This is just plotting and dumb, and you know, every five minutes they stop and try to explain exactly what's going on, because it might be too hard for you to follow. And it's it's just so dumb, and it's too bad, because a lot of this could have been kind of cool. I mean, the, the oh, yeah. issue... The issue of is our is our planet becoming overpopulated and do we need to do something about it is an interesting question. And all this does is take it and turn it into such mustache twirling villainy that you can't have a real conversation about it now because it's just so dumb. And and the exact same thing is done to Botticelli and to Dante and to the the history of the Renaissance and, and Renaissance Italy and uh, Istanbul. And all I can say is I really hope that Tom Hanks and Felicity Jones and everyone else in this movie enjoyed their vacations to these beautiful locations. Because they, they are gorgeous. <laughs> and, and it's actually, like, really cool to see all of this stuff. And it, there's so much potential here. And it's just absolutely wasted and two-thirds of the way through the movie i'm just like you know what i wish they'd go ahead and release the virus so that we you never started, have to watch and you and i both are very anti-phone in movie theaters yeah <laughs> i did and, well and, and to be fair i i went to an early morning screening there were eight other people there and I was back in the corner so that I knew that if I needed to pull my phone out and start texting you about how terrible it was, <laughs> I could. And I needed to. This wasn't just one of those, oh, you look at your watch and, and wonder how long the movie's gone. And I'm like, this has got to be over already, right? Nope, we're an hour in. We've got another hour of this thing. Oh, no, the same thing happened to me. So, you know, at the press screenings, they make everyone turn their phones off or in some cases leave them outside. But the person in front of me had an Apple Watch on, and they were, and they went over to reach to grab some popcorn, and the time popped up. I'm like, well, I'll take a look. It's got to be at least an hour and a half done. You know, it's 40 minutes. 40 yeah. minutes. I was like, uh, oh, my God. It's, you know, the one word that sums up this movie perfectly is boring. Not only is watching it boring, but everyone in it just has no desire to be there. I have not seen Tom Hanks phone in a performance like that ever. Maybe since... When he was in that Dungeons and Dragons movie in the eighties, I mean, oh my gosh, yeah, yeah, whatever, <laughs> the, whatever it was called, it was it was a really yeah. crappy propaganda movie. But um, no, he just he doesn't care anymore. I can only assume, like you mentioned, that he's getting a nice vacation to Florence, and there must be a big check somewhere in there because that's the only reason why he wouldn't be strangling his agent for making him sign a multi-picture deal with Ron Howard, who, by the way, we all like Ron Howard because we think of him as you know. You know, from Happy Days, Opie, and for doing you know, Apollo 13. He's made like two good movies. Stop making movies. You suck. <laughs> the one good thing that we got out of this was Tom Hanks on SNL being there to promote this and getting David Pumpkins and uh, the Black And Jeopardy Black Jeopardy. Yeah, that was the only good thing. But I don't know. Ron Howard, stop making movies. You're not good at this. Yeah. You never and, have been. You've done two. You, you made two mistakes that turned out great. The rest of them suck. Um yeah. And the the rest, of, and 
and we got Tom Hanks playing Ron Howard on SNL at being a terrible, awful director of pet videos, which I think shows that Hanks knows exactly what's up with this movie. At least he, he got rid of that dopey haircut from the first one. Yeah. And uh, yeah, the, the, the mullet Langdon. And see, yeah. this... So I, I read all the books, and this is the one I, I almost rage quit because it was almost like in this one, Dan Brown was like, I just don't care anymore. I'm making so much money off these. I'm just going to throw things in there. Um, so I, I kind of went in a little worried because the source material was so weak. Um, but my biggest one of my biggest complaints is with Angels and Demons and Da Vinci Code... They were okay movies, but the fun part was using these clues that were actually embedded by the artist in their artwork, like the Mona Lisa or you know these, these statues or uh, relief statues they had. This one, yeah, you actually learned something about art and art history. Yeah. It was really cool, right? Yeah, and all these little clues were supposedly you know conspiracy theories and blah 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 everything else. This one, there was nothing to learn from. The bad guy wrote nope. the clues on everything. It was so like really, and um. You know, spoiler alert! In the end, they they find the bomb and and all this kind of fun stuff. But what's interesting was the book didn't end that way. The book is that uh, they get the supposed bomb, but the virus they get, the virus gets released anyways, and it all, actually all it does is sterilize everyone. So that's if you haven't read the book, sorry, but that was a better ending than this movie. Um, but yeah, two thirds of the way through, you get two giant plot twists, which you saw the first five minutes of the movie happening. If, you, uh-huh. if you've seen movies and have a brain. Uh, yeah, there's just... The only thing I can give it credit for is that Florence is beautiful, and I would love to someday go there um, and see some of this artwork that they totally bastardized in this movie. So I hated this thing. It, yeah, I'm 3 out of 10, and I'm, I'm being nice. That's exactly where I am, 3 out of 10, and, and I feel like I, I am being nice. Uh, and you're exactly right. This movie made me want to go to Florence made me want to go to Venice. It made me want to go to Istanbul. And other than that, um, I would have rather sat home and watched Tom Hanks on SNL again for two hours on repeat. Just do the haunted elevator for two hours. It wouldn't get old for me. And I'd be, I'd be perfectly happy with that. Yeah. So don't, don't go see it. Um, no. So save your money for Dr. Strange, which even if Dr. Strange is horrible, which I'm assuming it won't be based on, the people I've talked to have seen it, and Andy here, who saw 15 minutes of it. Uh, yep. Even if it was a piece of crap, it couldn't be worse than this movie. So. Nope. <laughs> the 15 minutes I've seen of Doctor Strange are better than all of the best bits of this movie put together. If you put together a 10-minute sizzle reel of this movie, it wouldn't be one-third as good as what I've seen of Doctor Strange. And they are holding back all the good stuff. That's just a teaser. (laughs) (laughs) So let's talk about a movie that should have been absolutely horrible and as bad as Inferno, but somehow was a little bit better. Uh, Based on the Happy Lucky Trolls property, uh, this is an animated feature from DreamWorks. And uh, so you've got your, your happy little trolls. And the story that they tell you in the first five minutes is that the trolls are, of course, very happy. And all they do is they sit in the forest and sing and dance and throw parties and scrapbook, and they're lovely and happy. But one day, along come uh, these creatures called... I think they're Bogdans? I can't remember what they are. It doesn't matter. They were obviously very important. (laughs) Well, actually, they are, but uh, they're 
awful and they don't have any good feelings whatsoever, but they figure out that if they eat the trolls, then they can experience one moment of true happiness. So the trolls are like their drugs. And so what they do is they round up all the trolls and they put them in the middle of their city. And one day a year, they go out and everybody feasts on trolls and gets to be happy for one day a year. Until one day, uh, the king, who is played by Jeffrey Tambor, leads all of the trolls out into the wilderness and they get away. And so they've been living uh, out away from... Until one day they decide to throw this giant party, the biggest party ever, to celebrate 20 years of their freedom. And of course the party is so huge, it attracts uh, one of the... uh, Played by Christine Baranski, who was the head chef who was exiled from the society uh, when all of the trolls escaped. So uh, she captures six of uh, Princess Poppy's best friends. And Princess Poppy, played by Anna Kendrick... And Branch, played by Justin Timberlake, who is the grumpy troll, have to go back and rescue them. And so uh, wackiness ensues in this. And of course, as part of this, uh, they have they have to try and escape. Uh, and in so doing, they end up meeting a scullery maid, uh, uh, played by Zoe Deschanel. Uh, and her name is, is she Bridget. adorable. She is absolutely adorable. And what the <laughs> trolls end up doing is they give her a makeover so that she can Aww. attract so that she can attract the attention of uh, King Gristle, who's played by Christopher Mintzplas McLovin. And so uh, so she can be with her one true love. Um, that's where the movie actually starts getting good. The first half of it, all of the setup, is boring and terrible and I'm just like what is going on here Um, and of course I I mentioned uh, Justin Timberlake plays the grumpy troll and the thing about the grumpy troll is he doesn't sing why do you hire Justin Timberlake to be the one troll who doesn't sing oh because of course he's going to come out of his shell by the end of the movie and then you get singing Justin Timberlake and it's great but it takes forever to get there. Does um, he do a better job than playing Mr. Fish and uh, Popstar? Yes. <laughs> that was, actually, he was really good as, as Mr. Fish. He's, he's actually pretty good in here. And so is Anna Kendrick. Uh, and, and so are all of the cast, actually. This cast is actually really good. It just takes forever for this movie to take off. And about halfway through, once it gets to the part where they do Extreme Troll Makeover with Zoe Deschanel, and um, then it really starts cooking. And it's a lot of fun, and it takes off from there. And so, unfortunately, you have this movie where the first half of it is like a 2 out of 10. And the second half is like a 7 out of 10. Uh, but by your powers combined. Yeah, exactly. So the, I, I got to go right down the middle on this. It's about a five out of ten. Um, but this isn't the worst thing for uh, for kids. And no, that would be Inferno. <laughs> <laughs> and, and yeah, and there and there are much worse things out there. I mean, this is better than Storks, which is Inferno, uh, which is still out in some theaters and. Uh, you should not take your kids to see that. 
this is pretty good. Um, and if you have to have it on. Oh, and the one other really good thing is I mentioned the trolls love singing and dancing. It's got a good soundtrack. The trolls seem really, really obsessed with like uh, the 70s and, and 80s and like disco and dance music and pop. And so you do, get do a they, lot of that. In here. Do they have Shake Your Groove thing? Uh, no. <laughs> what they do have is Zoe Deschanel singing Lionel Richie's Hello. Hello. <laughs> Sitting, like, uh, pining over uh, Christopher Mintz-Plasse's king. It's just, like I said, she is adorkable. And um, that part of the movie is very good. Um, But it just takes forever to get there. So, yeah, five out of ten. All right. So, you know, we've got a horrible movie and a mediocre movie. But uh, from what it sounds like, this is one that if your kids drag you to see, uh, you're not going to want to slit your wrists the whole time you're there. Yeah, I mean, and, you know, look at the other movies that have come out this year. You've got garbage like Angry Birds. I mean, this is way better than that. So, um, yeah, not bad. But you've cool. also got great movies like Pete's Dragon. So, Which I still yeah. need to see. Ugh. Yeah, one of these years. It'll come out on DVD soon. You'll you'll get it. Eventually, we'll get yeah. It. Anyways, yeah, that's the movies for this week. Uh, Next week, our big, big thing is Doctor Strange. And to kind of segue into that, uh, Andy and I were talking about, you know, and also because this episode does come out on Halloween, so hopefully you survived all of your shenanigans over the past weekend, and hopefully I survived uh, Cat's birthoween. Um, (laughs) We shall see. Uh, But no, we, we wanted to talk about some movies that were kind of supernatural, um, and one of them actually is in the Marvel Universe, and I completely forgot about it, but uh, you mentioned Blade 2. That's a kind of horror supernatural movie that technically is uh, Marvel. Yeah, technically uh, Blade. Well, 100% was... Marvel because it's Blade. <laughs> yep. Uh, Blade was one of those properties that, you know, back in the 90s when Marvel was about to go bankrupt, they sold off the movie rights to almost all of their characters, and they sold off Blade... And if you remember, there was actually a, a Blade movie in, what was that, 97, 98? Um, yeah. Uh, and that was the first one. It was pretty good. But Blade 2 came out, directed by Guillermo del Toro. And I, I mentioned before how much I love vampire movies. And I love Blade 2. I think Blade 2 is one of the best vampire movies ever made. Um, and the reason for that is it turns the tables on the vampires because suddenly you have these other vampires who they like to eat vampires <laughs> and they're super scary with like the unhinged jaws and the uh, protruding mouth. Mm-hmm. It's just awesome. And Guillermo del Toro does such good work with this and there's cool scenes where like uh, you have this team of uh, of vampire ninjas essentially uh, and you know fighting in the dark with Blade and it's just so cool and uh, and of course you've got Ron Perlman who plays one of the, the badass um, mm-hmm. vampires who's uh, out there with this you know this paramilitary group and uh, and of course, their inevitable betrayal of Blade. Curse um, <laughs> Because of course he kills vampires, and um, but they they all have to band together against uh, this even greater evil 
because as soon as they kill all the vampires, then of course they're going to go after the humans. So, um, it, I I just I love this movie, and I, I think it does vampires very well. I think it's a great action movie, and it just is designed so beautifully. And it, it's you know the the Blade movies are really hit and miss, especially Blade Three, which are much more of a mess. <laughs> Van but, Wilder, uh, Vampire Hunter, yes. <laughs> uh, we will, you know, of the, the many comic book movies that Ryan Reynolds has done, which were not good, uh, that, <laughs> that's okay. UCSTC! <laughs> oh my gosh. <laughs> he's, he's, he's terrible. Oh, and Patton Oswalt was in that one too. Too bad. He also died. Well, I, think anyway. I never, I didn't get more than halfway through that one. That was, this is before I could, I reviewed movies and I was allowed to walk out. Yeah, so, yeah, Patton Oswalt was in a very, very minor role. But, um, yeah, he shows up, like, halfway through the movie to explain what's going on. I wish fun. they'd bring him back on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., because he was so much fun. He was a lot of fun on that. I love Patton Oswalt. Um, oh, poor Patton, he's had a bad year. We love you, Patton. Yeah, I, Any, because we know you listen to this podcast, but yeah, we love you. Yeah, we know. I, I've been making everyone at work listen to your uh, accidentally walking in on an orgy skit. And I've I've not seen people laugh that hard my whole entire life. So so fair play <laughs> to you, good sir. Oh, Patton Oswalt, love Patton Oswalt. A- anyway, uh, how did we start talking about the terrible Blade movie? Because oh. of Patton Oswalt, uh, Blade Two. Go see Blade Two if you're looking for a last minute Halloweeny movie. You're like, oh, what should I watch tonight while I'm sitting around waiting for trick or treaters to show up? I I highly recommend Blade Two and Adam. Uh, you've got another recommendation that dovetails right into this. Also a comic book movie, also a Guillermo del Toro movie. And also starring Ron Perlman. <laughs> and also starring Ron Perlman. If you haven't oh. guessed, it's uh, Hellboy. Uh, it's actually, actually, both Hellboy movies are, are fantastic. Um, yes. It's really funny because when this movie came out, there there wasn't too much... I mean, God, it was you know 12 years ago. There didn't seem like there was too much hype for it. Um, I just went and saw it because a friend recommended it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, it's definitely it's dark. It's twisted. It's funny. Uh, Ron Perlman is just absolutely wonderful as the acerbic Hellboy, who's the cigar smoking, demon stomping, you know, demon himself. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it's, it's so much fun. You've got it, it ties in like old school stuff with uh, you know, R- Russia with the Last Tsar and uh, Rasputin, and uh, it's it's tons of fun. It's nice, nice and violent. So you get you get some punches and kicks and blows, blowing up stuff in there. Um, but yeah, you, you got a good cast. I mean, like I said, Ron Perlman, John Hurt, uh, Selma Blair, Rupert Everins, Jeffrey Tambor. He's also in this. Oh, yeah. um, David Hyde Pierce. I mean, he was in there for a little bit. Uh, yep. It's just, it's a lot of fun. And it's, Del Toro is such a great way of filming it to where it kind of seems, it's very gothic and dark, but at the same time, light and fun, which is kind of polar opposites, but he pulls yep. it off somehow. I don't know how he does it. So picture like the dark gothic Crimson Peak. But mixed in with kind of like the jokey one-liners and punchlines from like the Ghostbusters, um, yeah, it's, it's it's a lot of fun and it's one that again you mentioned to most people and if they're not familiar with the comic or, or fans of Del Toro, most most haven't even heard of it, let alone seen it. Um, and trust me, you're, you're really missing out if you're not t- checking this one out. Yeah, it, it really seemed to like slip under the radar of like the collective geeky unconscious. I think it was. 
partially do. I, it, this was in that weird period, like after X-Men came out and movie studios were like, well, let's start making comic book movies. And, and you had you had Daredevil and you had Hellboy and you had a, a bunch of other movies that were kind of hits and misses. But until the until the Batman movies, uh, the Nolan Batman movies, and until the Marvel Cinematic Universe mm-hmm. really started kicking off, it didn't feel like it really pushed everything into high gear. So everything between like 2000 and 2008, a lot of people missed if they weren't really paying attention. And and so Hellboy and Hellboy 2, The Golden Army, most people are like, wait, what's that? And it they're just such fantastic movies. I mean, I, I love <laughs> near the end, uh, Hellboy digs up a Russian corpse and talks to it and like is carrying it around on his back to like force him to tell them where they need to go to get through this maze. <laughs> it's just like it's so funny and yet so gross and scary at the same time. It it really does owe a lot to Ghostbusters of bringing that ethic in that that treads between the scary and the funny and um in in some ways it does it a lot better even than the Ghostbusters reboot that came out this last summer not that I'm slagging on Ghostbusters I think it it's it's very good I'm just saying Hellboy in many ways got that part even more right and um because I'm praising Hellboy as being just an absolutely fantastic movie. <laughs> well, and, and again, Hellboy was was going more for that that horror feel, anyways. I mean, we talking about the Ghostbuster movie. I mean, aside from like maybe the first the first time the first two times they encounter the the one Victorian ghost, those were really the only times meant to be someone kind of scary and get the audience to jump. The rest of it was meant to be very much more straightforward comedy. And even going back to the original Ghostbusters, there's only maybe one or two scenes again in there that are meant to be played to be scary the rest is all comedy and funny that is true um but del toro here was again going more for supernatural horror comedy um and that's what again that's he gets that perfect match of what's great and also you mentioned uh, the golden army that scene in that one in the, in the second one when that uh that person gets eaten by those fairies oh my god oh gross Wow. me out. It's like, imagine being eaten alive by mosquitoes in like 30 seconds. <laughs> like literally bones and everything. So it's just, it's just so perfect. And it, you know, you, you mentioned like supernatural horror comedy. I got to throw in like supernatural horror action comedy. Because oh yeah. The, it, it, these movies are paced really well. There's really cool fight scenes. Um, and the, uh, the stuff that Selma Blair can do, the stuff that Hellboy has to do. And, and I think the thing that I love the most about especially the first Hellboy is it, here he is. He's designed to be this this weapon and to do terrible things and bring about the apocalypse. And he's like, no, screw that. I'm going to reject my fate and I'm not mm-hmm. going to be I'm not going to allow people to uh to control me and and make me do these things and it's like that's awesome and 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 that's what was great about uh the the Mike Mignola comics from Dark Horse and and that's what Del Toro really got right about the movie too cool so there you go it's uh it's Halloween so if you haven't had a chance to go pick up your horror movie for the night or if you want something fun to watch 
Um, one of these could be watched with most of the family, one probably more of the older adults and teens. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, check out Hellboy and Blade 2. And like I said, next week we'll be back with Doctor Strange. But until oh, then... Doctor Strange. <laughs> Hail okay, Satan. But no, 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 oh. no. Well, I, I'm going to interrupt you because we I got to just say two things about Doctor Strange. Okay. Uh, the What they have shown us so far... Um, when Benedict Cumberbatch came out and introduced the footage they were going to tell, uh, they were going to show us, uh, he's like, half of this movie we filmed in IMAX for IMAX theaters, and he waves his hand uh, like he's using magic, and literally the screen uh, filled up and went from where the normal frame is. Uh, on your regular screen to the full IMAX in the theater. And it was like, whoa, there is so much more here. And then the footage that they showed us was mind-boggling. It's just absolutely ridiculous. This is a drug trip of a movie. (laughs) Uh, So if you are buying your tickets early, get IMAX. And, and if you can get assigned seating, get the best seats you can towards the middle so you can see everything. You really, really want to see this in IMAX. And, and I haven't said that about a movie in a long time. We'll have a more full review later this week. And we're going to try and rush the episode out to get it to you before the film comes out. Because we're going to have a lot to say about Doctor Strange, I think, based on what I've seen so far. Um, but I, I'm just so excited. I've already we're seeing it on Tuesday. I've already got tickets to see it again on Thursday. Oh, nice! With with my son, because um, they told us no guests, and he really? was like, he was so mad. He's like, I want I need to see that right now. <laughs> like, it, so Marvel has hit their demographic again. You showed an eight year old 15 minutes of a movie that he did not care about whatsoever. I had to, like, drag him to this and be like, (laughs) you are going to like Doctor Strange, I promise. And then he was so upset he doesn't get to see it two days early. He has to go see it like a normal person on Thursday. Uh, With all the civilians. With all the civilians, oh no. And then we're probably going to go see it on Saturday again with the whole fam damnly. So (laughs) (laughs) Uh, we'll, we'll have a more full review, but that's my first impression of how excited we are for this so we'll we'll let you know very soon tip and, and i'm actually going in the only thing i know is what i've seen from the two trailers and that's it so i've i had to go see uh oh i've seen the accountant i think when you were seeing yep. it so i have no preconceived notion aside from the fact that this looks like their trippiest movie ever and yep. i'm excited to see what they do with it so yep all right well then we'll probably be talking to you again uh hopefully thursday if not um friday but until then, hail Satan and have a lovely afternoon. Punk ass tripping, but it's alright. Homie scored a key, he's gonna fly. Punk ass flies. Previously on All My Circuits. I'm sorry, Father, but somewhere along the way, I forgot how to be your son. Why, Antonio? Because. I have amnesia! Calculon! But I thought you were... Egyptian! Before I kill you, I must ask you one question. Who am I? For I have...
have amnesia. Let me get this straight. Does anyone here not have amnesia? Uh, I don't know. This show is awesome. When I grow up, I'm going to have so much amnesia. Me too. I mean, I have it now, but I forgot. Well, mine's louder. Cram a ham in it, you twerps. Ah! Sorry. Nah, I had it coming. 